Amen. Let's give God some praise this morning. He is a good and gracious God. Praise Ben. Thank you for leading us today. Welcome to Life Community. We are thankful for what the Lord is doing and what God is, how he's moving in our congregation. Last week, we began a new series entitled Keep Moving. And we started with the book of Joshua. We're going to kind of hit the highlights of the book of Joshua, kind of moving through kind of the story of Joshua, and we're talking about transitions, and we all go through transitions. Our church is going through a transition now of getting everything ready for over there, but you too are going through many different types of transitions from uh, seasons and marriage or family or children uh, with work, job. There's just all kinds of different things, but I believe the book of Joshua can speak to us about the transitions or the changes that we often find ourselves in. Now, we have a memory verse from the book of Joshua that I love. It's one of my favorite verses, and I want us to say it together. We're going we're gonna to be in Joshua for a while, so you're going to learn this one, all right? So we're going to have it. So if you would, let's do the address first, the verse, and the address. You ready? Ready? Okay, just, just checking. All right, here we go. Joshua 1.9. Haven't I commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Joshua 1, 9. You did so good with it the first time. How about a second time? You ready? Joshua 1, 9. Haven't I commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you. Wherever you go, Joshua 1, 9. Father, we thank you for your word. May it speak to us, Lord, as we find ourselves in many different types of transitions throughout our entire life. We pray, Father, that you, Lord, your presence will be our strength. God, today we pray that your spirit would help me, Lord, as I preach and help us, Lord, to hear the word of God. Hide me behind the cross and may I only preach, Lord, within context and preach your word within truth. We thank you, Jesus, for all that you do, and we ask that you be here today in your name. Amen. So normally when somebody says, it's a new day, you ever heard that phrase before, it's a new day? You ever heard that before? That is normally a positive phrase, it's a new day. It normally means that there's some chapter that's closing that maybe was a hard chapter or a tough chapter or a strenuous chapter. Maybe it was even a dark chapter, perhaps. And that is closing, and a what? A new day is coming. I think about um, when I was growing up, how when school would start. We had kind of this routine, this tradition, when uh, my family would would right before school would start, we'd go and we'd buy shoes. Had to get brand new shoes for school started. Had to get new shoes, new pants, new shirts. And for me, I wasn't allowed to wear those until school actually started. I know that's kind of weird. Anybody else have that? Okay, a couple of you did. I'm not maybe as weird as I thought. But I could not wear them until school started because it had to look what? New for the new day. And I remember that was a, a tradition that we have. We don't necessarily follow that tradition in the regular house now, but that's what we did when we were growing up. And, um, but you know, now we, we, we do the same thing. We take our kids right before school starts and we get new shoes, new clothes, new book bags, new supplies. And, um, the glue sticks from last year don't work anymore. You know, you got to buy scissors from last year. Ironically don't work anymore. So you got to do everything new. Why? Because it's a New day. It's a new day. Now, some people, they don't believe 
that you can experience a new day. They feel that for whatever reason, you are forced to live in the past. You are forced to live um, back yesteryear somewhere. Now, they understand that the sun literally sets and it literally rises and on the calendar there's a new day. They understand that, but they resign themselves to living particularly either in their failures, hurts, or mistakes of yesteryear. For example, as a result, when people live in the past and they resign themselves to live in the past, they begin to create an identity around their past. For example, they'll say things like this, I have been cheated, or I have been used, or I have been abused, I have been hurt, I have been lied to, or I am a failure, or I failed, or I I faked it, or I am an addict, I am a liar, I am hopeless. And as a result of believing that you were cheated, used, abused, hurt, lied to, whatever, fill in the blank, or that you are a failure, you are a fake, you are an addict, you are a liar, you are hopeless, you then begin to craft your future by your past. And you begin to say things like this, because I've been cheated, lied to, abused, hurt, I'm an addict, I'm this or that, therefore I will be an addict, I will be hopeless, I will be a failure, I will be a scumbag, I will be whatever, fill in the blank. And we have this this attitude of living in the past and defining ourselves in the past. Now, the past can be very, very hard and very, very tough on us to sometimes escape and come out of because those where real hurts. And I would love to tell you today that God gives us flux capacitors to go back and erase the past. You know what flux capacitors are, right? Y'all need to go watch Back to the Future, all right? Y'all, y'all need a life, all right? Go watch Back to the Future, okay? Great movie, one of the best ever, all right? Time machines. God doesn't give us time machines, all right? He doesn't give us DeLoreans with flux capacitors that make us go back to 1955 you know, or whatever it was, you know? He doesn't give us flux capacitors or DeLoreans, but you know what he does do? God God doesn't give us time machines to erase the past. But here's the business that God is in. God is in the business of giving new days. And what the Lord can do, he may not give you a time machine, but he can give you a new day. God can provide a new day. Just listen. This won't be on the screen, but just listen there's some verses that I just that encourage me. Lamentations 3, 22 and 23. Because of the Lord's faithful love, we don't perish. For his mercies never end. They are new. What church? New every morning. Isn't that wonderful? Guess what? God gives us what? A new. I love what 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away and the new has come. If you follow Jesus, the old life is over and the new is here. Guess what? God gives us a new, new days. God is in the business of giving new days. Now, if you take your Bible, open up the book of Joshua chapter 5. Book of Joshua chapter 5. Five. You can get your sermon app out. You can look at it on your phone. You can look at it in your sermon notes. You can look at it on the screen, and you can look at it in your Bible. So everybody today can be in the Word today. 
But let me just recap real quick. Last week, we talked about Joshua and how he had received his calling from God to lead the people into the promised land. If you remember, Moses had led the Israelites out of slavery in Egypt, and they crossed the Red Sea, and they went out into the wilderness, and they spent 40 years in the wilderness. Now, why did they spend so long in the wilderness? Well, because... They doubted God. They did not obey God. They sent some spies out, and the spies came back and said, we can't do this. There's no way we can take the promised land, except for who? Joshua and a guy named Caleb. They said they could do it, and God said, well, fine, then. If you don't believe, you can have the promised land. Enjoy the desert. And they had to stay in the desert for 40 years until an entire generation died off. The only people that would be allowed To go into the promised land would be Joshua and Caleb and their families. That's it. Everybody else, including Moses, had to die in the wilderness. Now, the children of that first generation grew up. And they were the ones that Joshua, a new generation, was going to lead into the promised land. They were were the ones that he was going to lead. And last week, we talked about how he was on this side of the Jordan River. The Jordan River was kind of a boundary that they would have to cross over. And sure enough, God speaks to Joshua. He says, now, Joshua, don't be afraid. Be strong. Be what? Be strong and courageous. You're going to cross that river. And by the way, the river was in flood stages, so it would have been very high. And it was interesting. Joshua sends the priest first with the Ark of the Covenant. They step into the river, and the Bible says that the river dams up. They don't build a dam. It just miraculously Stops flowing. And it's cool when you read about it. The Bible says that it just walled up and the water started going backwards. And, and the dry and the ground that was on the other side of the river was dry. And all the Israelites walked across dry land with God and holding back the river and it just getting higher and then flowing backwards. Now, does that remind you of anything? Does it remind you of anything? Reminds you of what? The crossing of the what? The Red Sea. And you know, absolutely it did. Their parents, Joshua was there when they crossed the Red Sea, but the parents of this new generation, they had an experience where they left Egypt, went across the Red Sea. And now, what? A new generation gets to experience that. A new generation gets to walk across a miraculous parting of waters. And they go, and then they camp. And this is where we pick up right now. Joshua has crossed the Jordan River, and they're all on the other side. They have also sent spies to Jericho, and the spies have gotten a word, another set of spies, and they've gotten a word, and they say, hey, listen, we can take Jericho by God's grace. By the way, they meet a prostitute in Jericho by the name of Rahab who gives the spies protection. I'm giving you kind of a crash course. You can go and read it yourself. And of all the people in Jericho, they're all going to meet their doom except for Rahab and her family. A little bit of cool side note, Rahab becomes one of the ancestors of who? Jesus Christ, which is pretty cool, you know, pretty cool. Hope for everybody, new day for everybody. Isn't that awesome? So there they are. They can see Jericho. They can see the city. They're gonna take it. They're on the plains of Jericho. They've crossed the Jordan River. And I thought this morning I was gonna preach on Jericho. And then I read this, this passage, and you can't get to Jericho until you read and you get through what we're going to look at today. You ready? Joshua chapter 5. We start with verse 2. 
Verse five tells us that when they crossed, all the, the neighboring kingdoms and nations in the promised land were scared. They were scared of the Israelites. Look at verse two. At that time, the Lord said to Joshua, go take the land, go beat them up. Is that what it says? Is that what it says? Why not? They were all nervous. They were all scared, all the nations were. Israel just had this miraculous movement of God. This is the prime time to take the enemies, right? When all, at that time, the Lord said to Joshua, what? Make flint knives and circumcise the Israelite men again. Whoa, time out. What? Uh, what? Uh, okay, God. Um, not seeing that coming, all right? That's kind of weird, okay? This is really a new day, isn't it, you know? Uh, what? Like, isn't this like the most prime time to like to exercise the armies and to get them to go do their thing and you want us to do what? Keep reading. So Joshua made flint knives and circumcised the Israelite men at Gebeath Heroth. Did you like how I just said that real fast so it sounded like I knew what I was saying? All right, there we go. This is the reason Joshua circumcised them. All the people who came out of Egypt, who were males, all the men of war, had died in the wilderness along the way after they come out of Egypt. So the first generation were circumcised. They were circumcised in Egypt. But what happened to them in the wilderness? They all what? Died. They doubted God. They didn't get to go in. That generation dies. Though all the people who came out were circumcised out of Egypt, none of the people born in the wilderness along the way were circumcised after they had come out of Egypt. So the new generation hadn't had this procedure done to them. The old one did. We're going to talk more about this in a second and why this is important because you might be thinking, where is this sermon going today? This is actually really, really important. And the new generation hadn't. For the Israelites, verse 6, wandered in the wilderness for 40 years until all the nation's men of war who came out of Egypt had died off because they did not obey the Lord. So the Lord vowed never to let them see the land he had sworn to their fathers to give us, a land flowing with milk and honey. The other generation was not allowed into the promised land. He raised up their sons in their place. And it was Joshua, and, and it was there, and it was these Joshua circumcised. They were still uncircumcised since they had not been circumcised along the way. After the entire nation had been circumcised, and by the way, how would you like Joshua's job, right? I'm called to do what, God? Okay. They stayed where they were in the camp until they recovered. The Lord then said to Joshua, today I have rolled away the disgrace of Egypt from you. Therefore, that place is still called Gilgut today. While the Israelites camped at Gilgut on the plains of Jericho, they observed the Passover on the evening of the 14th day of the month. The day after Passover, they ate unleavened bread and roasted grain from the produce of the land. And the day after that, they ate from the produce of the land and the manna ceased. Don't just overlook that. That's important. Since there was no more manna for the Israelites, they ate from the crops of the land of Canaan that year. So, Father, we thank you for the word. May you bless it today. We pray, Lord God, that you'd open up our hearts to it and show us that you give us new days, that new days come from you. We pray this in the mighty name of Christ. Amen. Here's the big idea today. Throw it on up there. A new beginning is a new day, and I want you to add this to it. New days come from God. 
New days come from God. A new beginning, if you want a new beginning, it's a new day. And a new day comes from God. If you need a brand new start, a new direction, something new in your life, you need to look to the Lord. The Lord is the one that gives the new days. Now, when we look at this passage, they cross the Jordan River. God tells Joshua he's got to circumcise every man in the nation of Israel. What a job, right? And so he does that, and then they, they, they celebrate Passover, and they eat from the land. Now, there's a few things I want us to see here about the beginnings of new days. They crossed the Jordan River. It was marking a new day. The old wilderness days were over, and now a new day was here. And I, I believe God is teaching us today about when we go through transitions, when we move from point A to point B, when God is changing things in our life. I believe there's some things we can learn about what the new days look like. First, I want you to see this, that my new day begins with a spiritual renewal. It begins with a spiritual renewal. Because it's lengthy, we won't read it again, but if you go back and you look at verses 2 and on until about verse 9, that's when God tells Joshua that these guys have got to be circumcised. Now, you might think, what is the deal with this? Like, why can he... Why did you want to preach this today? Like, this is kind of weird. Why are you doing it? Like, why, why is this important to spend a Sunday talking about this? Well, you got to go back to what it meant to the Jews and what it meant to the Israelites. The, 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 the circumcision was a sign that was given to who? Abraham. Long, long time ago. And if you remember, Abraham was the first of the Jewish people of the Israelite race. And he left his home. God called him. And God made a promise to Abraham. He said, I'm going to make your descendants as what? As numerous as the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. And, and Abraham was an old man. And God made a promise that from here on out, you're going to become a great nation. So the sign of circumcision was given. Now, we're not going to be crude or anything like that, but you can just think why that was given the way it was. It would always remind the Israelite men that they would produce children, that they would produce a family. And every Jew, every Israelite would do this. Every Israelite would partake of the act of circumcision because it was a sign that they were God's people. It was a sign that they were commissioned by God. And this is something that, that Abraham did to Isaac, and, and then Isaac did to Jacob and Esau, and then Jacob did it to all the 12 boys. And, and throughout history, even when they went down into Egypt and they grew and they multiplied, this was carried on for years and years and years. And even the people that left Egypt had experienced this procedure. And then they leave Egypt, they cross the Red Sea, they go into the wilderness, that's when they disobey God. They don't believe they can take the promised land. They, have, they lack faith, they lack courage. So God says, fine then, stay in the wilderness. If you like it so much, die in the wilderness. And that's exactly what happened. But I believe something interesting has happened. Why did they practice circumcision even in slavery? But in the desert, they stopped practicing it. Why'd they do that? Maybe it's because, we can speculate a little bit, but I think it's because their hearts got so hard and bitter and they said, well, if God, you're not going to let us in the promised land, I guess you're just a God that can't do nothing. So why do we 
need to do this to our children because what you promise doesn't happen. So they just gave up. And they let a whole generation, a custom that had been going on for hundreds of years, they didn't do it. Why? Because they didn't believe. They didn't believe God anymore. They were bitter and complaining and griping. And these children aren't circumcised, which might not seem like a big deal to you, but to an Israelite, you think that's a big deal? That's a sign to an Israelite that they're God's people and their own parents didn't do this to them? Huge, huge deal. So when they cross over the Jordan River, and isn't that interesting, the the next generation, the second generation, they didn't get to go through the Red Sea. Now Joshua and Caleb did, but the rest of them didn't. And when and they get to the promised land, what does God do for them? Same thing he did for their moms and dads. Let's them come through again. And then when they get to the other side, instead of just saying, hey, it's time to go take Jericho. Hey, let's go fight. Hey, let's do this. No, more than likely they, they read the law. They listen to the words of Moses. And before they go any further, guess what they do? They get right with God. And they read the Old Testament, they read what Moses had written, that the commands were there. And they look at each other and they say, man, we've not done this. We're God's people. This is the sign. This is the covenant. And this was their first step in getting right with God. Quick survey. Do you think this generation is acting a lot different than their moms and dads? Big time. Big time. They're not the same people that griped and complained in the wilderness. This is a new generation. And they're taking God very, very, very serious. But I want you to think about something. Did this make sense for them to do this at this point? No. Because all the nations were already nervous about the Israelites because they had heard that they had crossed in, that they had crossed the border. And they heard about the Jordan River and they heard about the Red Sea. They were nervous. And and the Bible says in in verse 1 of chapter 5 that their hearts were melting. This was the opportune time to take out the enemies. And by the way, when they did this, the Bible says they had to recover. You think? You think? So not only did they not seize the moment, they were placed in a weakened position where the enemies could have very easily picked them off. But to them... It was more important to be right with God. Now, when we begin our new day, when we come to God and we say, man, I'm ready for the old day to go away. I'm ready for that past to be left there. And I'm ready for what the Lord wants. Our new day begins with a spiritual renewal. It's coming to God and saying, Lord, you know, I have tried to do this on my own. I've tried to make it like this. I've tried to cope on myself. I need you. I need the power of God in my life. And you know what? Just like the Israelite men, hear me, if you want spiritual renewal, you have to get weak before God. I think many, many times we think that we've got to, especially when we quote like Joshua 1-9, be strong and courageous, we think that's some sort of rally call to, to get, you know, you know, some inner pride and we can tough through this. But we talked about last week, be strong and courageous is actually knowing you're not strong and courageous and you need God. So your strength comes from God. And it's the same way here. When we get spiritual renewal, we're coming before the Lord and we say, you know what, I can't do this. I'm not able to do this. 
My flesh is weak. My, my, my pride gets in the way. Lord Jesus, I believe you died on the cross so I could be saved. And I'm just coming and renewing myself before you. And I'm going to quit relying on myself. Today, if you want a new day, you've got to rededicate and get back to the Lord. And, you, and listen, you've got to stop trying to do it on your own. You've got to come relying on God. And you have to come being dependent upon the word of God, dependent upon prayer. You gotta come back to the Lord. And hear me, church, you gotta get weak again. You gotta stop thinking you've reached success. You gotta stop thinking that you're on the mountain. You have to start believing that you need God every day. That's exactly what these Israelite men did. So today, if you're wanting a new day to go into a new chapter of life, get renewed before God. Now, for some of us, that might mean that we accept Jesus, that we accept Christ. Uh, we need Jesus in our heart and in our soul. But for some of you all that's been Christians for a while, it's a renewal. It's saying, God, make me weak. Lord, make me weak. Because when I decrease, you increase. So a new day begins with a spiritual renewal. But also when you get spiritually renewed, when God begins to revive you and, and you begin to love the things of God again, like prayer and worship and, 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 you know, and, and the reading of God's word and sharing the gospel, when God lights you back up on fire, your new day also begins with active obedience. God makes you actively obey. Now this is what's neat. There they are, wounded basically, on the other side of the Jordan River. And verse 10 says this, while the Israelites camped at Gilgah on the plains of Jericho, they observed the Passover on the evening of the 14th day of the month. Now, you'd read that and you wouldn't think a thing about it. All right, they observed the Passover. That's what Jews do, right? That's what the Israelites do. I mean, they still do that. Israelites, Jews today, observe the Passover every year. I mean, this isn't that big of a deal, right? Well, go back a second. What was the Passover all about? Well, that's when they came out of Egypt, right? They had to kill the, the animal. They had to put the blood on the doorpost, and, and the death angel would spare them. Did you know that when they, they did that, the first Passover, the Bible only records them doing another Passover after they cross over the Red Sea in a short time later, about the first year in the wilderness. And the Passover is not recorded again until right here. Okay, why? Why did God go through all these regulations and make them do the Passover and then they don't do it? It goes back to the same reason they didn't circumcise their children. Are y'all with me on that church? Their hearts were bad before God. And they were bitter before God. They were angry. They were what? They were living in the past, right? And as a result of that, they said, forget the Passover. Forget it. Forget it. We're not doing that. The end. But when the Israelites cross over, the new generation, the new day generation, ironically, it happens to be the time of year for Passover. Do you think God did that on purpose? You think that was an accident that they just so happened to cross over at Passover time? Now look at this. Passover involved them cooking lambs and being active. Time out. What were they doing when they crossed over? They were recovering. Is that correct? They were weak, right? 
And it just so happens to be Passover season, right? So that means they've got to get up in pain and obey God. And they're hurting. And they need to be healed and to recover. And what do they do? They say, it's Passover. Let's kill the lambs. Let's remember what God did for us. Time out. Is this a different generation than the previous one? What do you think? So it's almost what for the Israelites? It's a new, and that's exactly what they do. They are obedient to God right out of the gate. Today I think about your new day. And what does obedience look like for you? By the way, when you give your life to Jesus, the old is gone, the new has come, but he also provides us the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit lives inside of us and he enables us to do good for God. Not on our own ability, but from the power of the Holy Spirit, fruit begins to be produced, love, kindness, goodness, gentleness, all of that begins to manifest itself in our life. And the Spirit makes us able to obey. Now, your new day, what, in your new day, what does obedience look like in your home? What does obedience look like in your marriage? What does obedience look like at work, at school? What does obedience look like in your church, in this community? What does obedience look like for you? today. Because if you're going to be living in a new day, you don't need to be going back to the old stuff you left behind. God has called you to a new day, not to the sin that you left behind. He gives us grace. Anybody thankful for grace today? Love it. But here's the thing. He didn't save you and pull you out of the darkness for you to go back and live in it. He has a future for you, which tells me that my new beginning my new day begins with a spiritual renewal. You gotta get right with God. You gotta have a heart to heart with Jesus. Then you gotta start obeying the Lord, doing what he tells you to do. And you're ready, and then my new day begins with forward progression. Now, again, you might read this, and you might not think a thing about it, but it's pretty cool. The day after Passover, verse 11, they ate unleavened bread and roasted grain from the produce of the land. And the day after, they ate from the produce of the land. Okay, what's the big deal? They ate food. What's the big deal? Well, the next verse tells us the big deal. The manna, what happened? Ceased. Since there was no more manna for the Israelites... They ate from the crops of the land of Canaan that year. You might think, well, Kenny, what are you, what, where is the spiritual value in that? Okay, they ate food. No, 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 you don't get it. They ate food. They ate food. Now, the manna, y'all remember what manna is? The word manna literally means, what is it? Because when the first generation was out there in the wilderness, they didn't have food, and they cried out to God, oh, God, we're hungry, feed us. And God said, okay, here you go. He made manna fall down, which was like, looked like snow, but it was bread. I don't know what it was, all right? But, which is why it was called, what is it? 
Does that make sense? And they would make that, and they would, they would eat it, and there was only enough for that day. They had to rely on God just for that day. Remember that? If they tried to keep it, it spoiled. Worms got in it and stuff like that. They only had enough for that day. So they had, on Monday, you know, manna sandwich. On Tuesday, manna tacos, you know. On Wednesday, manna waffles, you know. Manna souffle. Manna on the shish kebab. Manna any way you want it, as long as it was what? Manna. And they got tired of it. They even said that. They said, oh, we're tired of the manna. And then God gave them quail. But do you understand what happens? This new generation, they go over. They're not asking for food. They're okay with the manna. But something happens. They start eating from the what? The land. God starts giving them corn on the cob. God starts giving them, you know, uh, Brussels sprouts and asparagus and, you know, the good stuff, right, kids? You know, he starts giving them this roasted grain. They're eating planters peanuts, man. I mean, it's looking good. And they're loving it. And the Bible says what happened? The manna ceased, which meant what? They were across the river, and it was over for the old way. It was done. They couldn't go back. The manna stopped. If they went back in the desert, what would happen to them? They starved to death. And why would you when there's food in the promised land? Oh, but don't forget, if you're going to go forward and take the promised land, you also have to do what? Fight for it and conquer it and overthrow it. But guess what? When you start a new day and God gives you a new chapter of your life through the grace of God and through the cross of Jesus, when he does that and spiritual renewal happens and then you start to actively obey, guess what? There ain't no other direction but forward. That's it. I think about our church and I think about the great things that God has done in our church and and for those of you all that's been with us for many years, um, you know, you can see the, the provisions that God has provided. Little bitty things from when we were at Seven Hills and we needed space for the chairs to the community college opening up and just even this, I mean, all kinds of stuff. We praise the Lord for that. But you've got to understand something. As great as that was and as wonderful as those things were, and we praise God for them, you need to hear me. That was in the past. We thank the Lord for the manna he gave us, amen? But that was in the past. And today's a new day. Meaning what? We can't ever go back. We can only go forward. We can celebrate the past, that's great. But we can't live in the past. We can't go back. God has called, and by the way, in your transition, in the transition that you find yourself at work and family or whatever, there's no turning back. You go forward in obedience and forward in a spiritual renewal. You move forward. You don't go backwards away from God. You move forward in what God has for you. Uh, some of you all like history, and Hernando Cortez might be a name that you might know. Cortez was the conquistador that's, that sailed from Spain 
into the Mexico Peninsula and then conquered uh, Mexico. Now, you might think, Kenny, the conquistadors are not really like good people. You know, that's not really somebody we should look up to. They enslaved a whole group of people, slaughtered, committed genocide. Those are some bad, some bad turkeys, absolutely. But for the historical value, um, there is much to say of what they did. Historically speaking, it was quite the feat. See, all kinds of other conquerors had tried to come from Spain to Mexico only to get defeated, only to be killed and not being able to go back, or they'd get back on their boats and they'd run back to Spain. When Cortez brought over his fleet, before they began conquering, he gathered all of his men up on on the banks of the ocean there. And he gave a fiery speech about how they were going to be the first group of conquistadors that would actually take the land, that would actually get the land. And he got them all fired up, and they were hooping and hollering, we can do this, we got this. And he was just cheering them on, going more and more and more. And then all of a sudden, he said something that they weren't ready for. He said, you know, anybody from history know what he said? Burn the boats. Well, what? what? Burn the boats? Burn the boats! And they lit them on fire. The only way they were going back to Spain to see their loved ones was that they conquered Mexico and rode back in the boats that they built. They had two choices, conquer or die. Guess what? They conquered. First group to do it. When God calls you to a new day, a spiritual awakening, a new way of living, hear me, You've got to burn the boats of the past. You can't live there anymore. The boats have got to go. You've got to burn the boats. We celebrate them. We praise God. But the man is over. That season of life is over. Book end it. That season's gone. When you became a Christian, that season is gone that you left. When you you rededicated your life, renewed your life, that old season is gone. This church, as we move forward, we're not going backwards. We can't. It's over. We go forward. I think about this new day for the Israelites and what God was doing. There was a new Moses. His name was Joshua. There was a new generation of people. There was a new army. There was a new Red Sea crossing with the Jordan River. There was a new Passover a new circumcision. Everything was new for this generation because God is about the new day. It should not surprise you, church, that God is a God of new days. By the way, he's the only day maker that I know. He made seven of them and did a good job. He kept them going. You could try to make a day on your own, You can't do it. You don't have that power. You don't have that ability. But I do know that one day, 2,000 years ago, God sent his son named Jesus. And on a day in Bethlehem, he was born, all God, all man. He grew up perfect, taught the kingdom of God. He went to the cross on a day And he died on the cross and suffered and bled. 
And on a day, he was put in the tomb. But three days, he rose again. And today, because he rose again. Today, because he rose again. You can start a new day in Jesus. Here you are. It starts with spiritual renewal and then going into obedience and then moving forward, not going back. You can't go back. Father, we thank you for Jesus. Lord, in this time now, we pray that you, Lord, would speak to us. God, that you, Lord, would show us that new days are possible, that we don't have to live in the past. We are not defined by our past. Today is a new day. This is a new generation. And God, you will give us strength and courage for the new day. Father, Lord, today may you bring, Lord, weakness in us, God, so we can be renewed. May you, Lord, take away the sinful desires and let us obey. God, may you take away the fear of moving forward. God, new days come from you. And Jesus, if there's someone here today, Lord, that needs to be saved, I pray that they'll come give their heart to you, profess their faith, make it public. I pray, God, if someone needs to make a decision that they've come, pray with the deacon, pray with me, pray to themselves. But God, that we would come asking for new days. We thank you, Jesus. Move. We pray in the mighty name of Christ. Amen. Your pastors and deacons are up here to pray for you. Would you stand? We'd love to pray with you. If you'd like to make a decision, would you come? You're welcome to just to come pray to yourself if God's calling you to do that.